This special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast, titled Be Solid, is brought to you in collaboration with NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. In this six-part series, we'll take a look at what has to happen before the transaction, as well as business processes and tools that can help your business, whether you're an ISO, ISV, Payfac, or bank. We'll also take a look at the latest trends in the digitization of cash and card issuing as they ultimately drive money movement. In a world full of squares and stripes, be solid. Working together and being bought by Equifax has provided us with what I like to call another level of data tools that we have to combat fraud and also help with identity. That was Scott Prisbella, the VP of Global Channel Sales Account, an Equifax company. And he is my special guest on this episode, episode 257 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. And I'm your host, Greg Myers. As we continue our deep dive into the Be Solid campaign brought to you by NMI, Scott and I discuss threat and fraud prevention. We talk about the fraud ecosystem, some of the key trends in fraud prevention today, as well as what the future of fraud prevention looks like. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Scott, and welcome to this episode of the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we're looking at all of the things that happen before a transaction, or put another way, before money ever moves. And of course, having a great fraud or threat protection strategy in place is definitely one of those things. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Glad to be here. Very happy to be here. Great. Well, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. A little personal and professional background info would be great. Sure. No problem. So for everyone in the audience, I am the vice president for Count and Equifax Company, of the global channel organization for Count and Equifax Company. I've been at Count for about five and a half years now. Ironically enough, most of my career has been in commercial real estate. So this online fraud prevention identity has been somewhat new to me, five and a half years, but really gotten to know it quite a bit over that time frame. I live in Boise, Idaho and uh, have a family here. Never, ever thought I'd be living in Boise, Idaho, but here I am. (laughs) Well, great. Well, tell us about Count. So what does Count do? Sure, absolutely. So Count is a company that was started officially in 2007. The core of Count is payments fraud. That's how we started in 2007. So a lot of what you said in the opening about what happens before the money is actually passed. We were a company that was developed and put in place to make sure that fraudulent transactions weren't happening online, that we stopped them before they actually happened. So again, Count was started in 2007, and it had a very strong uprising and doing very well to the point where in February of 2021, Equifax bought us in February 2021 to be their identity and fraud tool moving forward. So we are all about identity and fraud, pinging off a literally hundreds of data points to make sure that, for example, Greg, you, when you go to a site to purchase something, it's your device, it's your email, it's your address, phone number, all those things. And there's tons of data points, making sure that it is actually you 
making that transaction. So before the money is actually exchanged, you can have a very good feeling that this transaction is going to go through and it is you and it is correct. So that's what count is identity and fraud. Exactly what we're talking about today. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So before we dive in, just for the audience, could you explain a little bit about count? So count sells to merchants, but you also have sort of a white label channel strategy. Maybe talk about that a little bit before we dive in. Fantastic. Yes. So historically, we've worked with merchants directly. So we have a direct and an indirect sales force. But what has happened, and even going back to the very first days of being in business, some of our very first clients were partner organizations. And what I mean by partner organizations, I'll be more specific. So if you can look at payment processors, gateways, e-commerce marketplaces, any type of collaboration, anyone that has merchants under, under them, financial institutions, technology platforms, we work very closely with that partner organization because there's greater scale there. So a company will white label count or will talk to count about white labeling count an Equifax company for their merchants that they service, that they may be doing other things for. So in other words, taking the fraud and identity part out of the hands of what the partner is doing and letting us do it for them. We have some very good examples of some companies that we do this with. And so right now you look at a very good mix of direct merchants who use us directly and they may use multiple payment processors, multiple gateways, multiple acquirers, whatever the case may be. And then we have a very strong partner organization, which I run. And that partner organization is growing leaps and bounds because what we're finding is the merchants themselves are looking for economies of scale. And when you have larger organizations, you get the drift here. You have larger organizations that can have more buying power and it makes it more not only effective, but cost-effective and time savings to make sure that we are identifying the right transactions that are coming through for those merchants to accept. That's exactly what I was looking for. I want the audience to sort of understand a little bit about the go-to-market strategy. So let's go ahead and dive into the topic, which of course is fraud prevention. And can you give us a quick history of fraud prevention? Yeah, I think the history goes back quite a ways. There's always been, quote unquote, call them bad people trying to defraud people online. There always has for ever since online has been a thing. Our history and what we talk about fraud prevention is one of our founders, Dr. Timothy Barber, and our other founder, Brad Wiskirchen, who still runs our company today, they came up with the device ID, device data collector. Dr. Timothy Barber patented it. And it's an interesting story because he actually did it because he was selling a book online and he did it to protect those orders that were coming through. And it just kind of opened up the realm of saying, hey, there's a there there in this situation. And so in the past, and where I say earlier that we were focused on payment fraud, you had a lot of what we call stolen credit cards out in the marketplace, where let's say, Greg, you got a hold of my credit card number and you were ordering stuff on my credit card for yourself. We are able to tie all those data points together from a device, from an email, from a credit card number, from a ship to bill to address, and there are literally hundreds of data points. Whatever 
the merchant and or partner is willing to give us. So that history has evolved over time where it was truly payment fraud to begin with. But then you have things like account takeover fraud. You have things like card testing, bots, all kinds of things that have developed in today's marketplace that it's really becoming a very complex situation where you are trying to protect yourself and the merchant or the partner is trying to protect their collective group and also the end consumers as well, trying to protect themselves against these fraudulent activities that are going out there in the marketplace. And I know we're going to get into it a little bit deeper as the conversation goes on, but that's kind of the history. And Count likes to talk about that we were the first to the market to come out with a fraud tool. And now there's a lot of competitors out there in the marketplace as well. And that's a little basic history of what's happened with fraud. It's morphed into all kinds of things now. Sure, absolutely. Let's talk about the different players and the roles that they have in preventing fraud. So maybe talk about that ecosystem that exists and if it's different than it was, and I'm assuming it is, then it's say five or 10 years ago. Can you also talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's definitely different than it was five to 10 years ago. The ecosystem consists of a lot of different parts, as we know. We actually have a presentation on the ecosystem that talks about from sponsor banks to issuing banks to acquiring banks to gateways to payment processors to e-commerce marketplaces. I think everyone's taking a role in it now is not only me as, so how it's changed is me as the merchant back 10 years ago, I was concerned about it. So I needed to get something to help me protect my company, my business against fraud. And what's happening now is you see all these different players stepping in and looking at ways that they can help within the ecosystem. So it's taking, and what's interesting, Greg, is the persona types that are interested in this. Obviously, you have the risk department that's interested in this. But what we're finding is that you're seeing financial officers, you're seeing sales, marketing, fraud managers, anyone taking an active role. Because as we know with fraud and how it's changed over time, is it affects your accept rate, your decline rate, your chargeback rate, which can affect a lot of other departments, not only including monetarily, but your image out there in the marketplace as well, which is very important right now. So you're seeing a lot of different players take an active role, whether it be pre-transaction, and I know we're not talking about post-transaction, we're talking about before the money is exchanged, but there are a lot of different roles that are taking a part in here. And everyone's looking out, especially in today's economy, which I know we're getting to as well, but especially in today's economy, making sure that everyone out there is protected. And you as the end consumer, also I'll say this as well, the end consumer needs to be careful right now. We know of a lot of email phishing attacks and a lot of things, texting, SMS, all kinds of things going on. We have to be careful. And there are steps you can take to protect yourself as a consumer as well. But from a company's perspective, everyone's taking an active role in trying to stop fraud. Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of a good segue into the next question because for a long time, and I think you kind of said this, is it was all about fraud. And now it seems like threat is a bigger word, meaning it covers a lot of things, including fraud. So can you kind of speak to maybe what some of those other threats are? or What is the broader thing that people are looking at beyond just for example, like you talked about payment. Fraud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll talk about a couple to begin with. A lot of us out there in the marketplace as consumers, we have accounts with some of our favorite merchants, right? 
Well, it varies what you save on within your account, like my airline account that I use, right? I have a lot of information in my airline account. God forbid anyone could go in and take over my account. What would that cost? That would cause a heck of a lot of stress for me, for the company that I do business with. If someone got in and stole my miles, got my credit card information, got my personal information, my address, all these different things that I have saved on my airline account. So account takeover is a huge one right now where companies are really looking at ways to make sure not only that when Greg, you set up an account at your favorite retailer, that it is you, that it is your location, it is your house, your device, your email address, so on and so forth. But they're taking additional steps to make sure that every time you log into it, it is you, that someone else, you know the old saying, Greg, about passwords and the way some people treat their passwords, right? Well, a lot of these tools out there can help guess some passwords. And God forbid I'd have a fraudster break into one of my accounts, okay? That would be a terrible thing for not only me, but the company as well. There's other things out there like loyalty fraud, coupon abuse, different identity thefts. So let me talk about a couple of those to begin with. Loyalty abuse, similar thing to account takeover, but using someone other's loyalty points to get like, let's say free pizzas, breaking into an account. Or let's say you have a one-time coupon trying to stop that coupon from being used multiple times, which we've seen that as well. Identity theft, stealing the identity. So yes, they get my account information, but then they go and do other things with it. Affiliate fraud from an affiliate perspective, affiliate marketing perspective. There's so many different types of fraud. I'm looking at on my screen right now, the top 10 to 15 emerging fraud trends right now that is actually going on in the marketplace. And that's where we can help. So I talked about a few there. I'm more than happy to go into some other ones if you want me to. Yeah. I mean, what are some of the other current key trends you're seeing today? Yeah. So the number one trend in 2023 is fishing, farming, or whaling. We talked about that briefly at the beginning and we're all getting those. Heck, I think I got three today on my personal phone from fake Amazon, right? So click on the link and something bad's going to happen at that point, right? Then you've got the number two trend right now in 2023, which is up 34% from last year, is what we call first party misuse. So it's friendly fraud or chargeback fraud. So perfect example for this is let's say my 17-year-old son is upstairs playing on Xbox and he doesn't have a credit card. And let's say he goes and buys something for one of the games that he's playing. It's on my credit card. Well, in my household, I don't do any of the bills. My wife does. Let's say she sees that charge come through and she notices it and she calls the bank. Say, hey, I didn't make that charge. Well, how do you connect the dots there, right? So with some of the tools that we have, the bank and the merchant can connect those dots and they can say something like this. Hey, I'm showing that's off an Xbox device off this IP address. Maybe that was you. And then my wife goes, oh yeah, it was my son upstairs because he didn't have a credit card, right? So yeah. You save the sale, right? And then the third emerging fraud trend right now is card testing. It's still there. Heck, in 2022, it was number two. And in 2023, it's ranked number three behind those first two that I mentioned. And card testing ties back to stolen credit cards, right? I, as a fraudster, I try small transactions somewhere to see if they go through, and then I hit it for a big one. Card testing is generally done via a computer program, algorithms, whatever, so that I can hit a bunch of different things and see if it works. Um, It's also done on an individual basis as well. 
But that's the basic of card testing, and that's number three. Okay. And what does all this mean to like the impact on consumers, the impact on the economy as a whole? Can you speak to that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So just some stats real quick. Retail e-commerce sales for 2023 this year is expected to be around $6.3 trillion. That's up from about 5.7 last year. And we all know this COVID thing that was out there forced a lot of people online, right, Greg? You could agree to that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking at some stats that we've got from some very trustworthy sources, it's expected to be over $8 trillion in 2026. So with that being said, there's revenue being lost, obviously, through fraud, through digital fraud. 2023, it's close to $50 billion in lost to online fraud. That's a staggering number. And you're seeing a lot of different indicators within the industry. You're seeing over 100% increase in loyalty and promotion fraud, 79% increase in account takeover fraud, which we just talked about. And global chargeback volume for post-transaction, again, I know we're talking pre, is just blowing up as well. So how does this take effect? Well, I can tell you, in the economy we're in today, fraudsters prey on bad economies. Um, Down people or people who are struggling or whatever the case may be, that's what they do. There's no other way to say it, but they prey on those types of economies. In fact, their activity volume goes up during these timeframes. It's always strong, but it goes up during these times in terms of a little bit tougher of an economy, and it goes up. So how does that affect? Well, it affects it negatively all around, not only for the end consumer, but for every company, merchant, acquirer, issuer, or whatever the case may be, it affects everything in the marketplace today. Okay, okay. So what does the future of fighting fraud or fighting against the bad guy look like in the next, say, five to seven years? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to talk about this, Greg, but chat GPT, I don't want to talk about it, but it's something <laughs> that we all have to be aware of right now, right? Because there's some articles out there, if you go search for them, about how fraudsters are using chat GPT. So it's got to change. But what does the future look like? Well, the future looks like making sure that you have an end-to-end fraud and identity protection platform. And what I mean by that, and I'll explain that in a little bit more detail. So let's take it from the partner perspective. Let's say I'm an acquirer out there in the marketplace. I have to make sure that I'm bringing on good merchants. One of the other things we didn't discuss is there's a lot of businesses out there that are faking who they are. So underwriting a new merchant onto your platform, that needs to be really honed in to make sure that you're not only validating the business, but you're validating the owners of the business as well and doing more steps to make sure that you're bringing on good merchants. Then it takes you to the next step, which is, okay, you have to have a fraud and identity tool pre-transaction to make sure that you are screening those transactions that are coming in by the different data sources that we have available out there through our artificial intelligence and machine learning, you have to make sure that you're pre-screening that transaction before it goes through. Because if you can stop it before it goes through, you stop yourself from having a lot of headaches on the back end. And then finally, you have to have the post-transaction tools that will help you if a bad one does go through, which it does happen. I'd be lying to you if I said it doesn't. It does go through to help understand what was wrong with it. How can I deflect it? How can I get an alert? 
all the different tools that some of the bigger companies out in the marketplace have. And then ultimately, if it does come to a chargeback, what kinds of tools do I need to properly fight that with the right amount of data to make sure that I win more than I lose? So it's an end-to-end type service that everyone's looking for. And they're not looking for the plug-and-play type of stuff where I have three or four different APIs that I have to plug into because we want all that data to communicate because it makes it better in the long run. So that's what the future looks like is how can we have that end-to-end full screening The other thing I didn't mention, while you're collecting this information, Greg, it's always good to have identity as a key part as well. Making sure I'm a consistent and good purchaser on a certain website. I won't name the website, but I'm a consistent purchaser. When they see my key indicators come in, my device, my email, it's from my iPad that I have at home, let me in. Let me buy as much stuff as I can. Let me identify the good consumers from the bad consumers so I can help drive revenue as well as a merchant. So identity, we can't lose the thought of identity because identifying your good ones and your bad ones can help with that moving forward. So hopefully that was a decent answer on that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take everything you've talked about and circle back to count and Talk about how all of those trends, and you mentioned several from account takeover, obviously identity, all those things. Maybe talk about how Count is doing it and Count's vision. Sure, absolutely. Before Equifax bought us, the best way to explain it is we were the digital online interface. Well, Equifax, as you may know, they're a lot of physical identity, right? A lot of information about when you go and buy a home, go through the credit check, the mortgage, and so on, right? When you go to rent a house or rent an apartment, when you buy a car, they have a lot of physical identity traits. One of our founders, Brad, says it's the peanut butter and the chocolate of combining it together. Now that we have all this data from Equifax and from Count, yes, Equifax has been around a lot longer than us, but now that we have all this data, It's marrying it together and making sure that we are rounding out the true identity of who may or may not be coming to your website. So working together and being bought by Equifax has provided us with what I like to call another level of data tools that we have to combat fraud and also help with identity. So a lot of those things that I was talking about before, like I'll give you a perfect example, onboarding and underwriting a new merchant onto your platform. We didn't do that before in the past. Count didn't do that. Well, now that we have Equifax, guess what? We can do that. So that was a tool that Equifax had that we molded within Count and Equifax company. So making sure that you have all those identifying factors that molded together, create a persona for you, for me, anyone else buying online that says, hey, Scott and Greg are good. Let them through. Let them buy as much as they want. And you know what? If they're buying a house, here's their credit score. Here's their work history. All of these different things that are coming into play. Not giving that information, but putting it in the form of a score, Greg. We don't want to be passing PII information. That's not what we're doing. But creating it into a safety score saying, Scott and Greg are good. These other two, nope, not so good. We're seeing a history of bad behavior in the past. And tying that all together and then taking the tools that we've had and we've developed and putting it on one platform 
to where if you need one piece, go ahead, same API. If you need to add two more pieces, add it with the same API, but just add the product. Having that count platform that we're calling Count360 in the future, having that platform where you're not doing any developing and IT work to get another API. Same API, let's get it all in on the same pipes. You need to add this piece. Okay, nope, stop. You can shut off that piece. So there's different ways of doing it, but that's how it brings it all back to Count. We feel like we have the N10 solution now within our house. And it feels pretty good to have that and be able to offer that to the marketplace. Yeah. Just one further question. You mentioned the scoring and I go back to a long time ago in my past payments days. It seemed like that was a solution, like a merchant could create their own scoring, like whatever the numbers are, 50 and above, let the transactions go through, 50 below don't. Is that still a concept or have we moved past that? It is still a concept, okay? And have we moved past it to a certain extent? But I will explain it from our point of view. We call our score OmniScore. What it does, and Greg, you explained it actually very well. What it does is it creates a score based on our unsupervised and supervised machine learning models that are taking all this data in. And it creates an OmniScore. And the way you explained it was good, but I'll just give you a little bit more detail. Let's say So our Omniscore is from 1 to 99, 99 being the safest transaction, 1 being the least safest, okay? So you may, as a company, want the ability to approve things that are 80 and over, decline things that are 60 and under, and maybe take a role in reviewing the things between 61 and 79, okay? Manual review process. It is still a thing, but Greg, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of companies that are just letting the AI do the work. So what you said is true. We're seeing a lot of companies, let's say they're a quick service restaurant, right? They don't have time. They don't have a team to do manual reviews, right? So they're just saying, we're going to approve whatever's over this score and bounce off these other policies that were in place for the specific merchant. And then anything that's below, just decline it. So they're letting the AI do the work because of the economy. Some of these teams are being minimized or being put on other revenue generating things. So a lot of companies are choosing just to have the AI do the work, but that still exists. I'm just telling you it still exists, but a lot of companies are choosing to let AI do the work. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, Scott, we've covered a lot of ground so far, obviously, about Count and its history and where it is today and the value it brings to the marketplace. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up the show? Yeah, I think when you're looking at an identity and fraud process operation, whatever the case may be. You need to make sure that you're looking at a couple different things. And I'll just mention three. You need to understand your risk strategy and what your goals are because a good identity and fraud platform can help you grow revenue. I've seen it happen a lot of times where your accept rate is 90%. You want to get your accept rate up to 92, 93. That 2 or 3% represents, based on your average order value, a lot of revenue. You want to do that effectively then. So the second piece is to minimize risk, is to make sure that you are partnering with a company, and I'll say like Count and Equifax company, that is getting data from all kinds of sources all over the globe. The fact that we do work with direct customers and with partners tells that story. So Greg, you probably have a persona score on our system. I know I do, okay? in terms of your online activities. Just a score. Don't know who you are, but it's just a score. So you want to be able to make money. You want to be able to minimize risks. And then you want to have a tool 
and a process in place that maximizes operational efficiencies. And that's why I'm glad you brought up the last point about, can you still do the score? Can you let the AI work? Because it's absolutely true. Maximizing efficiencies with a safe tool is vitally important so that your teams are doing the right things to drive revenue with those companies. So those three basic things I like to always drill down on, we call them positive business outcomes. That's what we try to do for our partners and our customers out there in the marketplace today. So that's all I wanted to finish with. Okay. I think that's a great summary and and I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being here. I know your time's very valuable. So thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for listening to this episode in our special series, Be Solid, brought to you by NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. For more information on what happens in payments before the transaction and this episode, please visit nmi.com forward slash resources forward slash podcasts. And remember, in a world full of squares and stripes, be solid.